What's up, everybody, and welcome to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. Your boy at Farley Betts is here, and we got a great show today. We have Ryan Reynolds, a co-head of betting at the 33rd team, is here for today's show to talk some NFL so you guys can get to know Ryan. He's a great guy, a really sharp NFL better, NFL handicapper, so love the fact that we were able to get him on the show today, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Follow us at The Odds Breakers. Follow me at Farley Betts across all social media. Check out my premium packages, which are now available. We're 30, what, 30 and, uh, what is it, 30 and 17 for over plus 15 units the past two and a half weeks. Things are going well. WNBA playoffs whooping our ass a little bit, but we will recover there. Still winning in the NFL preseason. And next week, we're going to do a podcast here at the Oddsbreakers, and I'm going to break down why I think you should change your mind a little bit on closing line value and futures betting. There are some things that handicappers and sports bettors do not talk about as far as closing line value and futures go. And I think we need to start talking about it because, yes, it's great to find closing line value. Yes, it's good to get good value with a futures play. But it's not all positive. There there are some things in there. There's some asterisks in there that we need to mention. So I look forward to that podcast next week. Hopefully you guys do too. Thank you to all my listeners and our, all the supporters here at the Odds Breakers. Here we go. Ryan Reynolds coming right up. All right, we're back on laying the points with Farley Betts. And joining me today, let me just uh let me just give a little intro here, Ryan, because you know. A situation like this, it, it feels like in uh, arranged marriage, right? Or, or if, or if there's any fans of the office, uh, you've seen that episode where Jim and Michael are are both, you know, the bosses, right? They're both the managers of the office, and everyone's like, oh, oh yeah, that's really going to work well. It it doesn't work very well often, but I think in this situation, it's like an arranged marriage, Ryan, and it's something we're not that unhappy about. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Ryan Reynolds, co-head of betting at the 33rd team and also a contributor over there now for a while at Establish the Run. Ryan, what's going on this morning, man? What's up, Chris? I think that's a very clever comparison because it's true. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to do things their own way. And we, you know, we had never met before and we're put in this great situation with this great opportunity. And we have to figure out how we're going to cooperatively you know, steer this department. So I, I really enjoyed that, man. Yeah. And it, it works because I forget what the, th- you know, we won't reveal everything about the first conversation we have, but I think what it boils down to is we're just a bunch of dudes who really love football and yeah, we're dorky in the fact that we love you know, sports betting and getting into all this stuff, but you know, we don't, I don't know. We're not like a point Dexter type, right? We're just, we're just dudes who love football. And I think, and love and love betting on football and i think you know that's kind of the premise of all this right if you if you have that basic chemistry then it's going to work so it's it's good to have i mean i mean plus the fact that we both have two famous names i mean when you hear chris farley and ryan reynolds are going to work together i i feel like that perks you up a little bit yeah i mean my first reaction was is this guy chris he's going to understand what this is like you know Going to the supermarket and handing someone your debit card, and they're like, "Oh, Chris Farley," or they get the little smile on their face. And I go, "Okay, yeah, I'll play along." Yes, I know Ryan Reynolds is more is more, more handsome and wealthier than I am. I know. Thank you for for the reminder. Yeah, and then they look up after seeing our you know credit cards, and they're terribly disappointed at what they see. It's okay. Uh, you know, we're used to it. We've heard all the jokes about it. 
of course, your guy's still, you know, still alive and well, right? So you probably have to handle that more than me at this point. But Ryan, let's talk a little bit. First of all, it's great to have you on the pod, man. It's been great working with you so far at the 33rd team. Welcome to Laying the Points of Farley Bets. I'm excited to have this little intro podcast with you. We'll talk about a few football things, but more importantly, I just kind of want our audience to know who you are and where you're coming from. So let's start with this. Um, how did you get into this whole thing? Like, How did you start getting into sports betting, finding out that you love it, that maybe you actually want to try and work in this field, in this industry? How did, it, how did that all happen? It actually started with my father. Uh, when I was a young kid, my father worked on Wall Street. And on the side, he built a thoroughbred handicapping software that selected long shots. And then on top of that, he built an analytics system to select uh, hitters in baseball that were like basically undervalued in the card market. So how I really got into this was I would go to card shows with him on, on weekends when I'm in like elementary school, you know, learn business through those eyes, started looking as I got older, started looking at players myself, you know, uh, and then when I became an adult, I, be, you know, I started gravitating more towards football. And, you know, as time progressed, my friends started browbeating me. They're like, dude, you need to, like, really do something with this. You know, like, this has been going on for, like, 10 years where you're, like, the guru, guru in football where you need to start doing something. So, you know, I started getting into content and I got on Evan Silva's radar. And here I am today, man. Yeah. How did that happen with you and Evan Silva? Did you, like, uh, meet him somewhere or? No, man. I mean, I was just, I think I was, you know, I, I was actually started with Rex Burkhead. The year that he was really high on Rex Burkhead, I think I was mm-hmm. probably the only other person on the planet that was high on Rex Burkhead. So I was like, okay, this is my guy. I'm going to start <laughs> engaging with him. And as time went on, you know, I, he basically asked me, he's like, so are you interested in getting in the content? And I was like, yeah, I am. And fast forward like nine months or so, he's starting his own company and He's like, we need someone to write a waiver wire column. Or are you interested? I was like, sure, you know, and didn't know how to really do that, but knew that I knew football, knew that I had like player takes, you know, off the top of my head at that point. So I wrote him a sample and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I, I love origin stories like that. I mean, it reminds me of me too, right? I reached out to Kiev at the Oddsbreakers. He's just the nicest guy. He asked me if he, I could start writing for the Oddsbreakers site. And that was almost uh, a year and a half, maybe two years ago now at this point. And here we are, still got the podcast at Laying the Points at the Odds Breakers. It's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. Um, you know, and just right, the opportunity, Ryan, just to get your opinion out there, your style out there, the way that you look at bets, the way that you look at matchups, that's what it's all about, right? If you can present your content in a way that's digestible, you know, that people can understand, but they also find it entertaining, entertaining, thorough, efficient, right? It's not like, you know, a book every time you write something, um, you know, that brings a lot of eyes, I think. So that's a cool story, man. Ever, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster, right? You were kind of, you were kind of associated with all this stuff in um, myriad ways. And now here you are. So that's, so that's very cool. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, style. Um, you know, there's a lot of different, I feel like, especially in this burgeoning industry, people are at least associating themselves or identifying themselves with some kind of handicapping style, right? Like they have a model um, or, or, you know, maybe they're really good at CLV, right? They're always finding that closing line value, right? They're all over the market. Uh, You know, some people are really matchup heavy. You know, I like to think that my style is a little different because I look at the psychology and the narratives and the intangibles a lot. I think in pro sports, that really helps me out. 
But if you would have to describe what your betting style and philosophies are, uh, you know, in like a nutshell, what would you say? Uh, let me start with this. It's a loaded question. I know. No, no, it's a good one. It's, it's an important one, too. Uh, one of the stories I always tell is I bought the first car that I ever bought with my own money was off the proceeds of Aaron Rodgers rookie cards. I was buying him when he was sitting behind Brett Favre, and I thought he was, you know, special when he was in college. So I made like, you know, 10x or more on that over time. And I, you know, paid for my first car in cash with that. So I would say my process is grounded in player evaluation. And as times progressed, I think my, my uh, knowledge base on league-wide talent is pretty much my edge. So I play a little bit of everything. Like I view fantasy as a form of sports betting. I've done like 200 best ball drafts this year. I bet early because I'm confident that I can be a ahead of market. We're now like, you know, I'm basically getting closing line value on players. So that's how I view that with sports betting, like against the spread and so on. I also use a form of modeling for that just to keep myself like in check. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's not the exact same as your power ratings, but it's similar. I call them reliability ratings. I use them as a baseline for how I view each team. And then I tweak it from like a matchup standpoint, you know, like say like the giants have been slow at linebacker for our entire lives, you know? <laughs> right. So a team that's, you know, like if they play the chargers and Austin Eckler, that's going to be a problem for them, you know? Yep. And that's, you know, that's pretty much where I'm at. And with that too, I'm trying to get closing line value in most situations, but I'm not, I'm also not married to value. Like one thing I say a lot is sharps were on the Hugh Jackson Browns a lot. You know, like every week because they thought those lines were, were a little off. And that's – I don't get involved with unreliable teams like that very often. Yeah, I, I like a lot of what you said there. And I really like what you said about the reliability ratings. Um, yeah, like it, I, I totally agree with what you said because like my power ratings, right, they're supposed to be a baseline, right? You can't like rely on this stuff week to week like it's uh, the biblical truth, right? Um, so I just, I just think that's a really good idea. Uh, so let's, so let's get into some NFL, uh, chat here, Ryan. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, obviously. Uh, let's start with the most obvious thing in the news. Deshaun Watson is now suspended 11 games and, oh, wow. What a coincidence. What a freaky coincidence. <laughs> his first game back is going to be against the Houston Texans, his old team. That's going to be interesting. Is that, is that at Houston? Yes, it's a, you know, fan. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 at Houston. Uh, again, what a what a coincidence there. But what does this mean for you about the Browns, man? I mean, obviously the AFC North loaded division. Uh, you could argue not maybe as loaded in previous years, right? Because the Steelers are, are kind of searching for their quarterback right now. Kenny Pickett looked okay in his first preseason game, but it's it's just the first preseason game. We can't get too excited about that. Um, you know, Joey Burrow kind of had a Cinderella season last season, but maybe, I mean, at least I expect a little bit of regression for them just because a lot of things kind of came together to make that happen last year. I think the Ravens are going to be very good, but can the Browns survive? Like, can the Browns still get into the playoffs with this, you know, set up behind, uh, Jacoby Brissett, do you think? I think the AFC is so loaded. That's going to be very difficult because I think if, I think if the Browns were in the NFC, I think they could get. They could get, you know, even if they were four and seven when Watson came back, I think they could get the seventh seed of, or the sixth seed, you know, or if they were in the AFC South, maybe they'd have a shot at, you know, winning nine, 10 games and sneaking in, 
But as it is, I think it's going to be very hard. Uh, in my, uh, I wrote up an update with, with Watson on top of your original one, where I discussed some of the like some of the more difficult opponents they have through Brissett's stretch, and you know, a five and six record would be really, really, really good in this situation. But they do have a good roster, good line, solid defense. Uh, they're they're pro- they're pretty well suited for like a dirty run heavy game plan, which is what I would do. You know, if you don't have one of these dynamic quarterbacks, you got to make you got to create ugly matchups. You know, so yep. I think they're they're not drawn dead, but I, I I'm not really looking to bet on that. You know, well, and here's my thing: is I've never been high on Baker Mayfield. Um, I see a ton of flaws in his game. When he's on, he's on, right? Like when everything's kind of going well, um, he's a he's a good quarterback. But you could say that. I mean, these. Every NFL quarterback is a pro quarterback. So if you put them in a system that works with great offensive skill players around them, with a great offensive line, with a defense, it's not going to put too much pressure on the offense. A lot of quarterbacks can probably succeed, right? But Baker Mayfield, the way he walked out there with his like swag, you know, acted like he's like taking over the game every week. First of all, you have never done that, Baker. And second of all, so if that's what the Browns are used to, and they're going to go to Jacoby Prissett from here, which, you know, everything that I've seen from Jacoby tells me that he's a professional, right? He's buttoned up. He's ready to go when he needs to. Uh, you know, he's not going to scare any defense with his, you know, arm talent necessarily, but he can get out of the pocket. He can run a little bit. And in an, in an offense that's still very talented with two of the best running backs in the game now, you know, we'll see if uh, – uh, uh, a cream, you know, a cream hunt is as um, committed this year, right? He was talking about a trade or something. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, but, but still, they have so much talent on this team. I think they can keep the ship afloat at least, right? So I don't think a four and seven or five and six scenario is that much that much out of the question, right? I even think about that week one game, right? The the you know the intangible side, right? I want to I want to take the Panthers because it's it's at Carolina, you know, it's going to be Baker against his former team. But this Brown, it's it's just not that easy because this Browns team is very talented. Yeah, I 100% agree with all that, especially I'm not a big Baker Mayfield guy. I wasn't a big Baker Mayfield guy when he was coming out. Um, you can act like he does when you're as good as Aaron Rodgers, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, how he is now, I mean, I- I'm with you. Like, I could see him losing his revenge game in week one easily. Yes. Yeah. Not There's there's just, I don't I don't see good things for the Panthers this year, and you know, poor, poor Christian, you know, hopefully he doesn't get injured again, but there's going to be a lot on his shoulders again, I think, you know, a lot of check downs, probably everything else. Uh, so, all right, well, let's move on to another team because I know that you just wrote up some team previews on, on two, on at least two teams that I want to talk about. Maybe we could talk about a third team if we have time here, but let's talk about the Raiders first, Ryan, talk about an interesting team. Uh, Josh McDaniels gets his second shot at coaching, at being a head coach in the NFL. It didn't go too hot the first time with the Denver Broncos. Of course, he inherited a pretty shitty roster there. Uh, but now he's going to Vegas. There's, I, I feel like there is some hype in Vegas, obviously, with Devontae Adams coming over. Him and Derek Carr have a great relationship. Their defense is formidable, and I would say their defensive line might be one of their better units, right? It's getting better. Um, but, you know, I, I also don't trust that defense still by any means, but what are your perspectives on the Raiders this year? Do you think they can be competitive in what I think is probably the hardest division in the NFL? Yeah. First, I'm going to say I view the defense very similarly. You know, their secondary is okay. Linebacker group's fine. 
Their pass rush is very interesting, but do I trust this defense? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think they'll be up and down week to week where occasionally they can win you a game, but if they give up, you know, 42 points to the Chiefs, it's not going to be an, a complete stunner. But, uh, right. you know, like you said, Devontae Adams is a legitimately big a big addition. Um, he already has chemistry with Cargs since they played together in college. Uh, the, the downside here is they have a lot of roster turnover with a new coach. That's something I usually don't want to bet on. Um, the schedule is is really there. You know, the, I think they're the seventh most difficult schedule off the top of my head. But regardless, they're in the top. They're like a you know top ten hardest schedules. The division is absolutely loaded. One of the best divisions we've seen in years. So I I, I think eight and a half is too low of a number, especially when you consider they went ten and seven with all those nightmares they had to deal with last year. You know, like they lost right. their coach. Their their you know lid lifting receiver got in a car accident where you know I. You know, ruined people's lives, ended people's lives. Talk about talk about uh, you know, locker room distractions. You know, like how do you mm-hmm. deal with that? So we know that they're tough already, but I'd lean over just because eight and a half is too low. But I think they could win the AFC South if they were in it. You know, if that makes sense to you. Uh, but I'm not like yeah. I don't think like an 11, 12 win season is likely in the division they're in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they could win the NFC East, right? If they're in the NFC East, but uh, the division you're in matters. They struggle in their division historically. I mean, they get you know, one or two impressive wins each year usually, but um, you know, ultimately, right? KC at the end of the year, even the Chargers at the end of the year, that seems to be what knocks them out. If you had to, if you were forced to pick a division winner of the AFC West, I'm not saying this is a future plays of yours or anything in that uh, respect, Ryan, but who would you? Who do you think is going to come out of the AFC West this year? I would take the Chargers. Um, I think you have a combination of Herbert. I mean, watching Herbert last year, he carried them to a number of wins. Like the Mm -hmm. Eagles game was one where if he's not their quarterback, I think they lose to Philly. Washington on opening day is another. He's he's just one of those guys, man, where he can go punch for punch with Allen. He can go punch for punch with Mahomes. And they added significant talent to their defense. So – I'm writing a Chargers team team preview soon, so I'm just starting to dig into that now. But I'd say they they'd be my pick, even though like betting against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes doesn't exactly feel good, you know. Yeah, it never it never feels good, and apparently multiple reports are saying that Patrick Mahomes is like. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really know what this means, but they're saying he's he's more locked in than ever, right? I mean, I guess he misses going to the Super Bowl. Who doesn't? Uh, but, but I mean, if, if there's, um, a more improved Patrick Mahomes in any sense, that's a little scary. Uh, that's for sure. Right. But yeah, I mean, the chargers, right. Second year of Brandon Staley now, right. So he's, you know, his, his systems, his philosophies, hopefully his comfort, right. Making those in-game decisions. He's going to get more comfortable with all that. Um, and yeah, this team is ultra talented. I mean, Justin Herbert, people don't realize too, his rookie season, how efficient he was when he was being blitzed, when he was under pressure. That, I mean, that statistic alone, you know, I don't, I don't know it offhand, but he was incredibly effective under pressure his rookie season. That doesn't happen, right? Like rookie quarterbacks do not do well. At like some of the best all-time quarterbacks, if you look at their rookie seasons under pressure, predictably, right, with NFL speed, they really suffer, right? They, they don't do as well. Justin Herbert was phenomenal in those situations, his rookie season, right? So this kid is only going to get better, which is a scary prospect. But, you know, 
I look back at the Chargers last year too, man, and it's like they just blew some games that they shouldn't have, right? I mean, they, you know, they lost to Minnesota. That's okay. You know, they lost to Denver uh, at Denver. That's okay. But then lost to Houston, right? And that like letdown game. Uh, um, lost to the Raiders at the end of the year in overtime. I mean, it's just it's just a situation where for whatever reason, uh, and apparently whatever new regime is in there, whatever coach is in there. There's something in the DNA of the Chargers where they just like let down in some of these spots, you know. And I mean, I used to kind of blame, you know, maybe it's like a San Diego thing, right? But you can't blame that anymore since they're in um, L.A. You know, it's not like a, you know, like a loose city. You know, that's that's a big sports town, right? People care about the sport. So uh, maybe it has to do with the fans or just the mentality of the franchise itself. But I would like to see the Chargers show us more consistency because they weren't exactly a great ATS team last year either. Um, so, I mean, I, it's, it's hard not to pick the chargers because everything is there for them to win. They just have to execute. No, you're right, man. The chargers have been, I've been seduced by the chargers before to see them let down. I have. And to tack on what you said about Herbert's rookie season, I'd argue he had the best rookie quarterback season ever. It it was, and you're right. You know, rookie quarterbacks, I call it the no respect defense where they just send pressure (laughs) at you and make you beat them. He was immune to that. He's he is a a fascinating uh, guy to think about going forward. Yeah, and and, I mean, I love his personality too. The fact that you know he he doesn't want to be on camera, right? He's just like a technician out there. I love that. I mean, that's 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 a rarity that you're going to find in a quarterback today. Anyway, all right, let's let's talk about the Green Bay Packers because you just wrote a team preview at the thirty third team on the Green Bay Packers as well. Um, Obviously, Devontae Adams not there. We just mentioned that. But here's my feeling, Ryan. There's something about the Packers this year, right? Repeatedly, the Packers are in these scenarios. Oh, great team, loaded team, right? They look like one of the most complete teams in the league, one of the best offenses in the league. They're putting up points. Aaron Rodgers, boy, he's great. And then then they get later in the season, and, and something fucking happens to this team where they just crumble. And I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers' mentality, you know, the pressure of that moment, uh, but I just have a feeling it's not based on a lot of you know verifiable data that the Packers are going to have not a down year. They're not going to be like a, you know, six and 11 team this year, but I think that they could open up some opportunities for at least the Vikings and some other teams in the NFC conference. That's my loose superficial take. What is your take on the green Bay Packers this season? We, we both like the Vikings. They're, they're, they're interesting this year. So I do. I, I think, I think the Vikings have a chance to win the NFC North. Let me backtrack a little bit. One of my favorite betting stories is the year the Packers won the Super Bowl. Me and two of my buddies bet on the over on their win total, which was 10 games. So Green Bay wins the Super Bowl, but we push our, our win total bet. And I think that's how I treat this one. If I'm going to bet on Green Bay this year, I'm going to bet on them to win the NFC or win the AFC Championship, where I'm going to stay away from their win total because Aaron Rodgers is a unicorn, you know? He's won each of the last two MVPs. Devontae Adams, obviously a very big loss. MVS was a role player, so that I don't really care about personally. But Adams is a big loss. But with him, like, it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as it would for just about anyone else that's ever played, you know? So I think that's still there. He can carry an offense. He's been – I think he's the best talent uh, elevator ever, personally. So I think they can still be good on offense where the defense all of a sudden – is loaded with young, talented guys. I think they have six or seven first-round picks on their defense. And 
Green Bay in winter, you know, I, I lived in Minnesota for five years, so I know what that feels like when it's negative five degrees with like a negative 20 degree wind chill. That doesn't really assist, you know, a pass happy offense. It's more of a, you know, run the ball defense type thing. Yep. And I think they're better suited for that this year than they have been in a long time. So I could see them taking a step back in the regular season for sure. But in the playoffs, I think they might actually be a tougher out because the makeup of their team is more geared towards winning those cold weather games late in the year. Similar to like how the 49ers were last year, you know, winning with defense. But instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, you have Aaron Rodgers. That's I think that's I think the best case scenario for Green Bay. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting take because I, I kind of think it could be a similar situation for the Cowboys this year too, right? Two, both of these teams in a sense, the Cowboys and the Packers, they flailed at the end of the uh, season, right? At the, the past few seasons, and um, timing is everything. So maybe these teams, if they are trying to find themselves a little bit more during the regular season, I mean, I know you know, but Dallas's schedule is um, harder, especially at the end of the season too. It's like. I mean, maybe these two teams, maybe it would be good for them and it would be good for the Packers if they're not as successful in the regular season and then they hit a groove towards the end of the season, right? I mean, it, it really is all about that timing, right? I mean, San Francisco kind of did that last year at the end of the season too behind Jimmy G. You know, they got a little hot. They went into the playoffs, got a win. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all about timing in this league too, man. And maybe Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are just going to have a different story this year. But maybe in the end, it's even more successful. I don't know. Because there's definitely room in the NFC, I would say, way more than the AFC. You know, I, I don't know who's going to win the NFC at this point. You know, part of me wants to say the Buccaneers. You got Tom the Brady who's taking personal time off right now. They lost some guys, obviously. It's a new coach, but it's not really a new coach. Uh you know, the NFC East, forget about it. We can't really trust them. The Packers are, are kind of up in the air, like we just mentioned. Um, and then you have the NFC West. So you have the Rams coming back and the 49ers. But I, I feel like it's wide open. It's wide open, Ryan. Do you feel the same way about the NFC? Agreed. That's part of the reason why I kind of – I think Green Bay could be more dangerous come playoff time this year because, like you said, Brady's taking time off. We don't know what's going there. But it seems like, you know, he also, you know, toe-dipped into retirement. So he's – the least committed that he's ever been, really. You know, yeah. I'm sure he'll still be fine. He's Tom Brady, so I don't just like with Rodgers. I don't want to doubt Tom Brady either. And they have a very clear path to coming out on top in that division. But agreed, man. Matthew Stafford has elbow issues. Where we were recently in a meeting where we had a doctor give a very thorough pitch. Where if you're like if you were 95 percent sure Stafford's going to be fine, I'd make that like 85. You know, that that's how I would take that. Uh, yep. You know, the 49ers, they have Trey Lance, where I think he's entering the Mahomes situation, if you will. Excellent play caller, good supporting cast. Team already did well last year, but do we know what, what he can do as a, as a every-week quarterback? No. Dallas agreed where they're taking a step back. And, you know, I, I like Philly a little bit this year, but do I think Philly's going to beat the Packers in, in the playoffs? I, I do not. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get to, and that's the thing, right? You get to that moment in the playoffs, divisional round, whatever. It's cold. Uh, you know, Jalen hurts a lot on his shoulders. There's just a huge difference between regular season performance and the postseason. Um, so we're we're getting close to 30 minutes here, Ryan. I like to keep my pods around 30 minutes. So let me leave you here with one final question. Uh, I asked you before the show. I was like, Do you have any preseason picks you want to give out? But you said, Chris, I don't bet the preseason, which I really appreciate. I really appreciate. Because few 
markets are more volatile and unpredictable than the NFL preseason. Uh, can you give our listeners your perspective on that? Well, let me start by saying this. When I first started looking into like your background, I noticed that you have a very good win rate in the WNBA. And that's one of those things where a lot of guys I've known that are very good at what they do, they always say, like, one of my biggest edges is in the WNBA. The reason I don't bet on preseason football is because my the foundation for my betting process is built on my knowledge of team league-wide talent, coaching staffs, etc. And in the preseason, their teams aren't playing starters. Right. The coaches aren't, you know, going full bore in terms of scheme. So the edge in the preseason is figuring out which teams are going to play their starters at a higher rate. Where like the Rams, for instance, they played their third, third and fourth stringers last last week. You know, so I don't know that stuff, and I don't spend a lot of time in it, in it because it's only it only exists for a few weeks. So I just stay completely away from it. Yeah, I love that, and it gives a lot more time for prep too for the regular season, right? I mean, I talked in my last podcast how uh, I think we, as as a sports betting you know industry, all of all the handicappers out there, I think what we need to try and do most when we watch and enjoy watching football for the first time in the NFL preseason is literally try to ignore as much as possible. And it, it, it's really tough, right? I mean, you see George Pickens coming off the line. You know, he could be, you know, immediately everyone's like, oh, God, he could be a great producer for the Steelers, you know. I see, you know, Marcus Mariota puts up a 92.2, uh, you know, uh, passer rating according to PFF, and everyone's like, oh, maybe the Falcons, maybe they won't be that bad. It's like, let's, you know, st- let's stop, okay? This is against backups. It's the preseason. Most of these players don't really care about taking that extra leap out there on the field. And if they do care, then they're probably not going to be starters week one, right? Because they're just fighting for a role on the team. Um, so it's, it's you know, mentally, right? It's like a tease, this whole thing, because you want to think that it means something, right? The Giants won a preseason game, Ryan. We don't win in the pre- – Giants don't win in the preseason very often. And guess what? To me, it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything. You know, I saw some good things out there, but, you know, largely I think it's important to, uh, you know, just try to keep the preseason in perspective and not get too excited. And I think it's pretty sharp. It's pretty smart, actually, to not um, invest any extra time in the preseason, especially if this is part of your process now, right? You're getting ready for the regular season. Yeah. You know, I think we should be betting on what we do well, you know, and, this is just not my area. And, and acknowledging that and being disciplined in that sense is, you know, how it should be done. So you're saying that the guy who bet 100000 on the Bears and Seahawks total last night, that's a little much to you. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's too rich for my blood in general. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know guys who are excellent in the preseason. So for them, I, you know, if they said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do a five-unit bet this week i wouldn't try to talk them out of it you know but for me i would need to rethink things if i was doing that yeah there was a point this summer where i mean baseball was kicking my ass so much um and so i was like all right you know i'm gonna start to look at other markets and i started putting plays out there for foreign basketball um and it went okay but but then I, i said to myself like what am i doing you know like why why would i ever put the same amount of units or anywhere close to the same investment in a foreign basketball game right when that when i'm going to put that same amount of unit or or investment in the nfl and the nba like that that should not there should be nothing that's the same about that right because my knowledge of the nfl and the nba is i mean you can't even quantify how much 
more knowledge I have about that than a, a random foreign basketball thing, right? And you can look at a market, you can look at look at the lines, you know, and you can have an edge, right, just from pure numbers. But I think just in general, it's a great tip just to, you know, stay stay with what you're good at, right? Don't and don't overinvest in everything. Don't don't force your money out there. I love all that. I do. Ryan, it's great to have you on the show, man. I think we're going to have a spectacular season as co-heads of betting at the 33rd team. Um, we'll have you on back anytime at the Oddsbreakers podcast, obviously, but I know we're going to have our our own stuff going on at the 33rd team as well. Uh, where can our listeners find you, man? Uh, you can find me at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. You can ask me about Deadpool if you want, but I don't have any you know, useful information for you, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, you can ask me about a van, you know, down by the river too. But I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm a pretty good impressionist, Ryan. But I, I'm not. I'm not great at Chris Farley, unfortunately. Like I, I can't. I can't get his voice down. I'm not. You know, I could do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I could do like a Barack Obama. You know. But uh, Chris Farley, he's tough. Can you do a Ryan Reynolds impersonation for us, real quick? Or no, no. He, your repertoire. Okay. He's far more handsome than I am. I'm, I'm drawn dead there, man. I've tried because I also like to dabble. I have a solid Arnold, you know. You got I a solid Arnold, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe in the like in the middle of the regular season where things, you know, shit's starting to go awry. Uh, we'll just do an entire podcast as two Arnolds. What do you think? What do you think about that? I'm not opposed to this idea at all. All right, I love it. It's going to be intense, though. You know, the challengers. You know, it's going to be crazy, but. But I think it'll be very entertaining. Anyway, Ryan, it's great to have you on the podcast. You can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Reynolds NFL, right? Sure. Yes, Did I say sir. that right? Of course, you can find him at the 33rd team. He has multiple articles. If you go to 33rd team and they're betting, click on fantasy, go to betting, you'll see a bunch of his team previews and takes over there. And Ryan, it's going to be fun this year. We'll have you back soon, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. Looking, looking forward to what we're building this year, man. Absolutely, man. Can't wait. See you, buddy.